Do you like horror? Sci-fi? Superheroes? Comics and adventure. SunsetCrypt.com has you covered. With reviews and articles. Two associated podcasts. Hot damn! Topics on a ton of bullshit and all geekery grounds with Crypt Keepers Curtis Sturrock, Steve Brown, and Jeff Smith. SunsetCrypt.com. Only the reader knows what awaits them. His name is Curtis Durrock There's not much that he won't mock But he'll talk to his friends about sex and rear ends Yeah, it's wrestling with myself Some know him as Scotty O'Shea And he's really into ass play Steve Brown tags along and Mello wrote the song It's wrestling with myself Wrestling with myself Sometimes he does it by himself Discussing wrestling in movies Drugs, hookers, and boobies It's wrestling with myself Whoa-ho Wrestling with myself Whoa-ho Wrestling with myself On a Friday night He's got his flashlight It's wrestling with myself Whoa-ho Wrestling with myself Whoa-ho Wrestling with myself Discussing wrestling in movies Drugs, hookers, and boobies Myself. Whoa, whoa, wrestling with myself. Whoa, whoa, wrestling with myself. Discussing wrestling in movies, drugs, hookers, and boobies. Wrestling with myself. Whoa. Just, uh, bear with me here. All right, let's go. Your call is completed. Long distance charges may apply. Tomer Shalom, you're on the Wrestling With Myself podcast. You like it that I kept you a little bit longer? You thought I probably fucked you over and didn't answer? <laughs> Big league. You always give him a couple rings. You know, you don't want to look too, too, too ready to go. I was totally looking at it from the first one. I was like, let him just sit there for time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're starting out like this because um, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I know I've said it on the podcast before. Uh... I've talked... Oh, by the way, my guest is uh, Tomer Shalom. Uh, but I've talked many times before about how, like, in wrestling, you can go far without even... And I don't mean this as a dig. I mean this as a compliment, but it's going to sound backhanded for a moment. You you can go far in wrestling if... You don't even have to be a good wrestler. You just have to be a good hang. And I think you are an underrated hang. You're always the best guy to see in a locker room. You're always lightening up the mood. You're fucking hilarious. You're just one of those dudes that I can uh, click with very well with because we got the same kind of make fun of your self sense of humor. And while you're making fun of yourself, you make fun of everything else. And I love that. I, I totally with that. I think we have the same kind of humor that it's just 
let's shit on everybody and ourselves and everything. People take too much everything serious. And again, like I'm, I'm, there's stuff in wrestling that I hate, and I'm like, fuck. I wish it would have been serious when it's like too much comedy. Yep. But in the end of the day, the whole whole life is supposed to be serious. You know, like I mean, that's serious. I mean, it's supposed to be like uh, I take it pieces like a joke. You know, like everything it can be the shittiest situation and. There's nothing really to do more than just laugh at the situation, right? About everything. But thank you for saying that I'm a very shitty rapper. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> as, I, as I was wording that sentence in my head, I was like, man, this sounds really bad coming out, but I'm just going to go with it because I know I mean well, but no. No, we've wrestled. You're fucking great. We just come from two... We just come from two opposite sides, which is hilarious because I'm a mark in the sense that I want to do too much and bump around too much and you're a mark in the sense of a good wrestler gets the most out of the least and doesn't want to bump which is i think why we get along so well because we just kind of laugh at the absolute two like polar opposite uh psychologies of the wrestling business absolutely like i'll take people that want to do like so much stuff and get to like the same point yep. and i'm like I was like, why do we really need to? But listen, it, when I started, I kind of, I kind of wanted to be like that Mr. Perfect working horse, right? Sure. And, and it was just like first matches. If you ever go to my first matches and ever get to see them, I'm just fucking bumping like a, you know, like like a motherfucker for everybody. And I was just looking around and I was like, there's some people that a I shouldn't even bump for, and, and I'm not saying it is an insult, but there's some, so many people that come and go and like two or three weeks yep. and I'm like fuck I just broke my body on this guy and and there's a small factor that A I didn't have health insurance when I came here because I didn't have no Canadian papers and, and after noticing that I'm going to work with a cast <laughs> for just bumping for somebody for free basically and the guy never wrestled again that's when I was like fuck this I gotta I gotta pick and choose my bumps you know absolutely so, so sometimes you'll see me bump if I'm really in the mood but uh if, if it's not worth it for me, and, and again, this is not like, uh, it's not like saying, fuck that, I'm not going to pump for nobody, but uh, if, if there's a show and I can do get to the same pop with a comedy or, or same pop in a different way, yes, I'm taking, I'm taking the long, easy way, for sure. <laughs> but like, like, that's the thing with wrestling, and you say it's the long, easy way, when in many regards, it's like, no, that's not the easy way, that could, in many ways, that's the harder way. You know, taking the bumps can be the cheap. It, that's kind of the fun thing about wrestling. There's no right or wrong. It's just like how you make it work and if it ends up working. Absolutely. You'll never see me like, you know, like come to kid and be like, hey, you've done way too many. Or I'll tell once in a blue moon to somebody you shouldn't take a bump if it was like very, very stupid bump. Yeah. But more, but more than that, like, if, if, and also, I can't do these flips that, that you or other people do. So I got to find my own way into it, you know? Like, if, if I try to do a, a shitty great mood of cartwheel to an elbow, you know, like a fat guy flailing, like just falling on his legs, I was like, I, I want to just run and get the guy an elbow and, and save myself the, the bump and save the fans the, the horrible scene. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. This is already great. Just I love that, like, I love the circus that is, like, the wrestler, I hate saying the wrestling business as much as I already have. It sounds so fucking cliche and clicky, but I just love how there's no right or wrong. Like, I'm fucking totally mystified by it. It's whatever you get to work. And 
were like perfect examples of two polar opposites, but we seem to make it work on both our ends. And if we're both on a show, we don't give the same fucking match. Well, unless if it starts working, then uh, we almost break your arm and try to not bump by just pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Like you did. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, like I know you're into humor, and I know I'm into humor. It was just a thing before WrestleMania, that thing that we were just like, let's just point at the curtain the whole match, <laughs> and, and we pop ourselves into it. <sighs> that one wasn't the best one. I think we had a better one in VCW. Yeah. But even there, even there, I remember... So I remember, because when we started the match, it was like, I was like, okay, what do you want to do? And he just called stuff and called stuff and called. And in my head, I'm like, should I break it to this guy that I, I can barely fucking remember how to spell my name? He wants to remember all this shit. And, and the second we got into the ring, I was just starting to work the crowd. I was like, whatever, well, I fuck up anyway or something. And at least I could be like, you know, like those old guys that would come to back, hey, the crowd was hot, man. The crowd was hot. <laughs> we fucked up that spot. So... That's it, that man. was a good one. Yeah, dude. Like, we've had a couple fun ones. It, I totally forgot about that one at BCW when we just kept pointing. That's so funny. I totally forgot that. <laughs> I also did one with Mark Wheeler. That was, uh, I don't remember where we did it, but it was like the whole purpose of the match was to not bump without ripping the crowd off. So we were still working, doing spots, like slip slaps and all this stuff. But it was supposed to be with no bump until the end of the match. And, and like you said, like, yeah, maybe for me, was, I thought it's like the easy way, but it is really the harder way because we just try to figure out so much things. Absolutely. On how to get it instead of just taking like one, one bomb. Yeah. Like, it's, it's unique. But yeah, I enjoy that style of wrestling more, I would say. Less hurt. I love it too. And like, I just like variety. You know, like, I love watching the style of wrestling. I love watching, of course, but like, I need a buffer every once in a while, and if I watch a full show full of just, like, high spots, high energy, it is exhausting, even on its best day. You need that, like, variety on any show. I would be 100% with you. I like watching, like, New Japan. Yep. But if you put, like, a Wrestle Kingdom into me, like, the first couple of matches, you got me hooked. But then I get, like, super laughed into it. Like, I said, like... Like, kind of like watching it, but you're so sold out. Yes. you've seen, like, almost everything already, and then, like, you're waiting for the main event. So, like, instead of having a buffer match between, it's just, like, they're like, oh, they'll just probably zone out and think of something, and then they'll come back in the main event kind of thing. Okay. Oh, I get it. I I find it hard for those ones. So, what kind of wrestling do you watch? Uh, It's going to be pretty embarrassing to say that I don't watch nothing since the pandemic. Really, eh? Yeah, but it's not because uh, I just can't can't watch it without the fans. Like, you know, I, I was talking to uh, I'm gonna get heat for this saying this, but uh, I was talking to uh, what's it called? I don't remember what I was talking to, but we we're talking about wrestling, and he's like, uh, "So what do you think about all these shows that they're doing without like rings, but for like the indies people, right?" Yeah. And I was like, "As long as they make it as a comedy, like you did something with Steve Brown when you were doing like uh, Home Alone kind of thing." Yep. That was cool. But if you're really going out and doing, trying to do a real wrestling match in front of nobody else, like, I think it's kind of like being like a mark. It's like, like what everybody always used to, at least for when they were teaching me. Like, you know, after I, I trained with Fuego and Fuego's uh, old school shit on everybody kind of guy. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he's like, oh, don't be a mark. Don't be a mark. That's everything that I always knew from the beginning. Don't be a mark with him. Then I went to Mexico and Chaka was like, don't be a mark. 
and, and all these people stop putting it to me, and they're like, what are you working for yet? You're working for the pop of the crop. Yeah. So if I'm doing all these things, and I'm not getting the pop of the crop, unless it's like a WWE impact where somebody's getting paid for it. Sure, you know, yeah. At least like, like paying bills, I can understand them doing it. But uh, I don't know, I just can't watch wrestling. It, it reminds me of like old school uh, school classes that you knew when you used to do at the end of the end of a practice when you would do like a match in front of like nobody. Yep. It just reminds me of this. Like, I don't know why I can't watch anything right now. No, I don't think you're alone on that. It took me a while to kind of get into it. And I was in denial when it first happened because I love wrestling so much. I was, like, unaccepting that I wasn't enjoying it. And I, I didn't realize how important a crowd was, mainly because I'm used to working in front of 30 people, which almost sounds like no crowd sometimes, you know? So, like, I didn't want that, like, humility of being like, wow, maybe a crowd is so super necessary, but it is. I Absolutely it is. I'm totally with you on that. Totally with you on it. Because, again, just try to watch stuff like that, and it's just so hard. Even try to watch stuff like, uh, like characters, like The Fiend and all these kind of stuff. And when would you ever asking really what kind of wrestling I'm watching, it's usually all like WWE. That's that's my style, and that was like my goal from day one. You yep. know, because I, me growing up, uh, kind of like you know, in Israel, we didn't have Ring of Honor. We didn't have uh, you know all these indie things. Like for us, I didn't even know what indies is. Yeah. Like, to be honest, until I came here. So the only thing that we really got was like uh, uh, I want to say a forty-minute kind of breakdown show from some channel in Jordan that speak Arabic that I didn't even know what the hell they were saying <laughs> when I was young. That's, that's all we would used to get. And then let, we got a little bit luckier, and then we got like a, a, a one-hour raw in English. <laughs> like, and this is I'm talking about like maybe 16, 17. Like, Attitude Area, and we didn't... And think about it. Like, the whole Attitude Area was so uh, so like graded R, I would say. Mm-hmm. And they were making it PG. So the only thing I was really watching was like Funaki versus... Uh, Wow. So you were born in Israel. Born and raised in Israel, yeah. What let wow. Can we dive into that? Because that is super interesting. Uh sure. Like you're born in Israel. Wrestling's hard to come by. I know I'm already jumping ahead, but, like, how do you even discover it then? Like, what is life like leading up to your discovery of, holy shit, there's professional wrestling? So, so before even professional wrestling memories, you know, like, everybody's, like, always, what's kind of, like, the first memories of wrestling always ask? Like, first memories of me growing up is remembering me in, like, a room when my dad's, like, locking the, the windows with, like, tape. Even that now that I think about it, it's stupid because it's a bomb fucking blows up it's gonna take the window obviously down but those are like my first memories like wars like sirens bombs and you're just in this shitty room with like an old radio because that was the only way to actually uh listen if it's like safe to open the door and stuff like that but uh we had a very old uh black and white tv and i know i know to people it doesn't sound like ages like right but we didn't have like everything you guys had, we had it almost like half a decade later or a decade later at those times. Okay. So like, I remember like opening like those very shitty TV, turning it around, and you know, always people be like, Ultimate Warrior looks so colorful, right? Yep. Ultimate Warrior looks like fucking left front of black and white TV. You can't <laughs> do shit like that. 
But, uh, you know, like, watching, like, I think I remember opening one time there was wrestling. I watched it for a second. First memory was, like, Earthquake, the old Bravo. I guess that's why, I, since I watched Earthquake, I was like, hey, let's go for the fat route. <laughs> and, and then I remember I was, like, obsessed with it. Like, not obsessed, but, you know, like, when you're a kid, you haven't talked about, like, four, maybe something like that. Yep. You sit and you watch something, and then there was just no wrestling for maybe, I want to say, until it was, like, 12. When TV's got a little bit better, I would get CMLL from uh, Jordan. It's called the, uh, Jordan from uh, the country Jordan. The yep. Jordan channel from Jordan. And that was the first time. And as a kid, you see these guys with masks and you think they're like Power Rangers or something like that. I still remember what kind of wrestling was, but I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah, yeah, I get that. All these. And, and it was very hard always watching it. And as a kid, for some reason, I don't know why I never put out like hey, maybe it's every time at this hour. I guess it was that stupid, but I was just like, oh, I'll just try to surf it in whenever. Yeah. And and until one day, again, I got into, like, Raw. Like, I, I would catch once in a while, like, the, the Lucha Libre stuff. But then Raw came up in the first time, and that that's when I was like, you know, I started to become obsessed with all these things. It, it looked so cool. People fighting. I thought I'm a the most manliest man guy, you know, like fighting is the coolest thing back home and stuff like that. Of course. And, and, and that's how I just got hooked into it from those stuff. That's but again, we didn't have as much wrestling as, as you guys really had. It's so wild to think just by like the stories you shared already that it's just like Raw during the Attitude Era was being edited down Yet, at the same time, like, you're in an environment where, like, bombs are going off. It's almost, you know what I mean? It's like trying to keep innocence while also living in some terrifying times. The, like, scale of reality is just so crazy. You must have been dealing with. It's, it's something that you grew up with. You don't, you know, it's like, you know that this is your mom and you know this is your dad. You were born like that and that's how you know. It's like breathing, right? It's something that's, that's very normal. Like, Canadians, the way they are, like, I wish all Israelis were, like, Canadian. Most of them are, like, super nice and, and say sorry of everything. But I remember as a small kid, all we used to do, them, I told you, it was, like, one TV, like, black and white. There was nothing really to watch yep. if you got lucky from the antennas. So, for me, growing up was just being, I'm not saying on the streets like thugs, but there was nothing really else to do. It was just sitting on the streets with all the friends, right? Yep. And that's, you know, everybody starts smoking at a young age and doing all these stupid things and, and working at a young age. But it was just normal. It was a normal thing for us, like the wars and, and bomb shooting and, and, and buses going up. And it was just like a normal thing. It, it, it's kind of sad because it got to the point that like there was like a suicide bomb every day. Wow. I want to say my teens. And it was just kind of like opening the news, seeing the names, and I was like, yeah, I don't know nobody. And that's and just continue on with your day. You know what I mean? When, when like, let's say uh, a 9-11 attack happened, it's something that still goes until, you know, like every day, 9-11. And, and obviously, it's, I, I'm, I'm not comparing the two. This is like... No, no, no. I know what you're saying. Crazy thing. But with all the respect, this place died, and then this place died. You know, some old lady went on a bus to buy groceries and got exploded. And somebody was working in the tallest building in the world and got exploded. But it was just to the normal that it's kind of numbs you. Kind of numbs you. Like, even now there was a war right now back in Israel that my Instagram, by the way, got hacked because uh, a big part for that, all my 14K is gone because I guess um, it's Tomer Shalom and they saw that like a Jewish guy. 
<laughs> mostly Arabs, Muslims. I don't know who. They were just making like all the stuff like it's uh, like it's uh, like it's uh, racist and stuff like that. Jesus. <laughs> and, and my ID's gone right now. I'm super pissed off in that, but it's normal. That, that's normal stuff. Gee. So did you like? I know you said you kind of you're just you're numb to it because it's just your life. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So you think this is just normal. But like, do you think? you carry like any PTSD from that? Cause just as an outsider hearing these stories, it's traumatizing already. Um, so from the other word that you said, traumatized, I guess PhD, whatever you said it was, it's trauma. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, post-traumatic stress. Like, do you ever like, uh, well, well, let's say like this. Um, when I was, I want to say 14, I went out to Tel Aviv to a club and we were all supposed to go into this club, and I think two girls needed to pee. Mm-hmm. When those two girls didn't need to pee, I was supposed to be in the line for this club. It's called the Dotonaria. Okay. I would have been I would have been blown up that day. Um, if, if it wasn't that, at the age of 16, the bus that I go to school with, two stations later, exploded. Um, I would same thing. I would have if, if I would if a lot of times. I would just stay and continue to like Tel Aviv to like like other clubs to skip school. Yep. I don't know why that day I didn't skip school. I guess God didn't want me to die yet. Um, yeah, and then army. I, I almost died a lot of times. So that's why I guess I, I do take everything with you more. I do take with like a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, how like politics and wrestling and everybody's like, oh, just do this, do that. Don't talk to this. I don't really care about it. You know, I'm, I'm happy that I'm, you know, in Canada doing what I like with wrestling. A lot of people be like, oh, you're a mark, you go to all these shows and, and blah, blah, blah. I came to Canada for wrestling. Yeah. So, me sitting at home, if, if my wife is working, I'm just sitting at home. Then I'd rather go and be at a wrestling show with talk to some friends, have fun, and stuff like that. So I, I wouldn't say it's traumatic, but I, I guess it's that's why a lot of people are... Like, I find a lot of people in wrestling, it's or they really like me or they just don't know me and they don't want to talk to me kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Uh, I find it like that. Like, if, if I if I have a match with you and I talk to you and you kind of notice, oh, he's, he's okay after all. But don't forget that in the first uh, five years of me being in Canada, I barely knew English anyways. So I would just be talking to people and I was kind of like, in my head, I was like, oh, shit, they probably don't like me because I don't know how to talk to them. And they're probably saying, oh, this fucking guy's trying to, like, run away from talking to us so we don't like it. Yeah. So that got me like um, so much heat. Like so much heat from I remember one of my first memories in, in, in wrestling when I started, I was walking, it was like Tim Picnic. It was like Tyson, Bolin and Scott Moore walking. And I was walking at the other side with like Fiasco and uh and, and Boris Jacob. And we're just walking there and Scott Moore comes up to me he's like, You know Tom, you're such a fucking heat seeker and in my my mind I'm like, Heat, I think it's wrestling, right? So yep. I'm like Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. She's like, thank you very much. <laughs> and they're laughing, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm continuing walking, and then uh, she asked him, like, you know what he said, right? He's like, yeah, like, I'm good as a bad guy. I can't. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, boy, you'll never get it. He just continues walking. And then, like, after explaining to me, I was like, oh, fuck. Scott, I was like, for, like, a decade, I thought he doesn't like me just because of, like, that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I probably had heat with everybody with saying stuff that were wrong words. Of me just not knowing, and, and just people that are like, fuck this guy kind of thing, right? Jesus, dude. That is so yeah. wild. I didn't know when you came over you didn't speak any English. I don't think... Barely. I 
English. Yeah, I don't I ever was, uh, like you. I, I you speak better English now than I do. Uh, I wish. Um, like TV, that's where I got my English, and and everybody says, yeah, Jim Ross. Okay, uh, from Jim Ross, it was stupid because all I learned was fucking. I remember one time there was a fight, and I go to Buck. I was like, look at this lover knocking, just looks at me like like a mark, right? <laughs> but but that's what I thought. He gave me wrong words, but. Uh, most of the time, like when I started, I would just put words from songs into conversations. Okay. So if somebody would say a word, like in English, I would start singing the continue of the song. Obviously, it was with a lot of mistakes, but that's how really it stretched into me actually learning English and promos. And I was working very hard on my accent. Like, I still have an accent, but I was working very, very hard to try to get it away. Because I was, I was kind of embarrassed by it, because when people were in the beginning talking to me, they were like, you know, all these kind of things and not understanding what, like, I remember the match, I, t I told somebody, uh, take the guardrail, right? Yep. And because I wasn't so nervous when I was in the beginning, I'm like, take the guardrail. Take the guardrail. It's like, what? So until now, there's people that like still laugh at me until today. Like when they seem like, take the guardrail. You know, just because, <laughs> that guy didn't understand. And I was so fierce. Like, this guy doesn't want to fucking guardrail it. Because my accent was like so horrible. Really? Like, to this day? Until today. Today, I just show up and now they know me. But in the beginning, I was just showing up at places. No kidding. I didn't even have, uh, I guess, 10 years ago when I came, there was, there was probably Siri, but I probably had a shitty phone with the, with the weapon, like before the Blackberry even. Yeah. So there was, like, no autocorrect or, or stuff like that. I didn't know how to fucking spell. And I didn't know if I'm going to write, like, a message to somebody. It's just going to be like... So if I mess with somebody out of the blue and be like, hey, I want to get booked on, and he sees like all these spelling mistakes. Sure, yeah. Who the, fuck, who the fuck is this idiot? I'm not booking this guy. This guy can't even tie his shoes, right? <laughs> That's pretty, like, uh, self-aware of you, though, at least. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a common sense. You know that if you don't know how to spell, you got to... That's true, but common sense isn't nearly as common as we all seem to think it is. <laughs> it's actually not at all. Not right. at all. It's but, like, uh, I think I was lucky enough to have a little bit of sense in, in life, you know? Thank God to that. That's crazy, dude. And, like, did you serve? You said you served in the military? I was a soldier in the army, yeah, for it, three years. Do you have to when you're Israeli? You have to, but you don't have to do. Um, Basically, if you want to be a, a coffee maker, you can you can just act like you're crazy and become a coffee maker. Yeah, I see. Because you know what I mean. Like it depends on what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, I, will, I I don't wish that I went to coffee maker, but I guess it would have been probably in better shape than than a regular soldier. Even though it sounds weird, because a regular soldier that fights, yeah, we're in shape, but most of the time we're just waiting for stuff and just. Kind of like a, it's kind of like a big camp. You're just like in the middle of a dead zone or somewhere with all the buddies. Yeah, it's a little bit scary, but uh, you know it's pretty fun. In the end of the day, like uh, it's a waste. Sorry, I can't say it's a waste of time, especially now with the army, because uh, with the with the war, because yeah, it keeps us alive. Yeah. But uh, it is like it was like a waste of time for me because I wanted to be a wrestler so bad. I was like, fuck, I just gotta get out of here and become a pro wrestler. Then it was very ironic because I didn't even know where to go to what to do or anything really about wrestling more than just what I'm watching on TV sure yeah but, uh, but yeah I was just waiting so bad to get out of the army um, I had I had actually an option to stay in the army and sign 
after my three years that it's mandatory. By the way, mandatory army is a hundred dollars for a month. I was a smoker at the time, so my cigarettes would cost me at least one twenty. So I was not making any fucking money. At the end. <laughs> just, just to put it out there, because all these people were like, "Oh, like Canadian and American army, they make good money." Yeah, I wish. Uh, I was I was living on bread and jam from the army base <laughs> for those times. And three <laughs> years too, eh? That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really really sucks the bad thing. Uh, more than that, I was like uh, before I got released, I was, I was a captain. I had eight soldiers that were underneath me. Yep. And and if I would have stayed, I would have started seeing a little bit money in the army. Uh, not everybody gets the privilege to do that. It's only like uh, top elite guys. Yep. I want to say. Um, but yeah, but it wasn't just wasn't for me. Like I was just like times out. I knew that if I signed two more years, I'm just gonna get like. I, by the time, I felt that it's already late for me to start wrestling at like 22 and fly somewhere and try to get it, right? From my, my head, I was like, well, when did you start wrestling? I started uh, super early, 13. I just turned 13. See, like, like, dream come true. Like, for me, it was just like, for me, it was just like 22 until I find a country, until I learn a language, until I, I find a place, until I do this. I'm like, I'm going to be, without knowing, like, 20, 25, and then I have these goals, like, Oh, I gotta be at least one time in WWE before the age of thirty. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. I just put so much pressure on me without even knowing, like how really wrestling is. Yep. Like if, if I really would have known how it was ten years ago, like if, if I have what I know right now, fuck that. Like I could have just continued signing. Could have gone to MMA. Could have gone play soccer. Maybe do even porn. And I'll probably still get more more opportunities than being a pro wrestler. <laughs> so like. You leave the army, you already know you want to be a pro wrestler. What's the steps to like, all right, I'm moving to Canada. Like, take me through that whole thought process because that that alone in itself is like a crazy adventure that you kind of just like seem to did no problem. So, so yeah, that was, uh, was kind of like, I don't want to say it's the hardest because I had my mind set from, from watching like WrestleMania 20 is what really hooked me up. Okay. Like, that was my still favorite Wrestlemania until today and, and from there I was like not really go paying attention in school I was just trying to I was very very fat compared to even now that I'm fat I was very fat as a young kid and then I started doing the diet and I was like let's say 165 kilos and I went down to 83 holy and shit kind of, and I was pretty ripped at the time um like then then army got me in pretty much shape so I was planning everything in my life for kind of like wrestling I was doing a lot of MMA, I was doing judo, I was doing all these these things that technically, yeah, they help, but you don't really have to do them anyway. Like, I wish I just would have went to, like, English school, that would have probably helped me more than judo at the end of the day. But, yeah, I was just going to all these places, and, and it's funny, because I even, even in the Army, I ran, I was, I felt like I was gaining a little bit of weight, so I just didn't show up to Army, to my base for, like, two weeks. And, and I was just hitting the gym these two weeks. And then I was like, big mistake, because you can't really fuck with the army. They put me in army jail for two months, but I just gave even more weight than what I lost. <laughs> and it was kind of, it was like, fuck, you look at the mirror like, fuck, that was a stupid move. Yeah, but I was doing everything into that. Uh, finish, finish school, I was like, hey, what do I want to do now? It, it kind of hit me, because, you know, when you finish school, I don't know if you had that, that moment, but uh, for me, I, I really, I was kind of in a, I was in a school for like more bad kids, like okay. people that didn't really care or, or were in trouble and all that stuff. And and 
the day that I finished school, my principal shakes my hand and she tells me good luck and I get out of the door and I'm like, what now? Yeah. You know, I'm like, like, I have nothing in my hands. Like, I barely finished school. I, I can't go get any serious job. I can go get like some, like a slavery job, but I only have nothing. Lucky for me, yeah, we had the army. So like a week later, I'm holding an M16 with my head shaved and I'm, I'm not even called Homer anymore. I have a number. Uh, but yeah, yeah after the army, I was like, that's it. I, I got to go and do something for myself. And I was like, let's see this restaurant. So I was working on road constructions because that was the only thing that was paying in uh, almost equal amount to dollars. Mm-hmm. So I would get 300 shekels. That means it's $100. Uh, at the time, it was Canadian, uh, U.S. at the time. Okay. $100 U.S. So I was working like morning to night shift every, every day. And it was kind of like my parents and family, yeah, I'm going to, uh, to Grand Wrestling, right? That everybody was like, just laughing at me like, this guy is a fucking idiot. He just wants to leave this country, go to the other side of the world to do something like wrestling. I remember my aunt was like, why would you leave everything here? You know, you you're, can get like whatever you want. Not like, not can I like, get whatever I want as a rich, but I can work and do whatever I want. Yep. And just go be at a place like a, uh, basically an immigrant with no papers or nothing and, and live like an asshole for like, you know, for the beginning of my life. And I was, she was laughing at me like so hard, but uh, I, I saved $10,000. I'm not in the back. I'm not seven bucks production. I actually saved $10,000. <laughs> We're working really fucking hard. If the rock would have been a little bit less lazier, it's like all these people that are like, you know, I live in a car. I want it so bad. Yeah, I want it too, but I'm not going to live in a fucking car. I'll work two more night shifts and I'll fucking buy a hotel when I go there. I love that. Honest to God, that's still my, my thing. Every time I hear people say that, I'm like, you're just trying to act like you're, you're fucking so desperate for it. But, yeah. you know, if you were really desperate for it, it's like, I, yeah, I came here, I packed a, a you know, I just was like, that's it. I had like a, a, a suitcase full of dreams, butterflies in my stomach, so I just kicked my mom on the forehead and I told her, Obviously, when I turned around, she thought I'm still the biggest idiot of my life, <laughs> and, and just flew to Canada. Just landed here. I was looking at places. I stayed the first couple of days in a hotel. I found this basement that was very cheap. I went to a lawyer to get my papers because I'm illegal here, basically. I okay. Piece of time. I was illegal, right? So I knew I have like a limit of time. Yep. So she told me that there's a, a, a one-time fee of. Uh, $10,000, and you can become a Canadian. So there goes, from all the $10,000, there goes six on this fucking bitch that never gave me my Canadian place. Fuck off, she ripped you off, eh? Yeah, totally ripped me off. Oh, she saw you coming. The, the second you stepped off that plane, she saw you coming. Yeah, I messaged her. <laughs> I messaged her story through today. I was like, what's up with the papers? She's like, oh, don't worry, I'm still working on it. I'm like, don't worry, I'll get up for my grandkids. It'll be better, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I land here, and it, it's going to sound stupid as much, but uh, I had a, a friend in Israel that had a computer. Yep. And they got me uh, names for wrestling schools, right? Landed here, found the shitty hotel hotel in the beginning before I popped on an apartment that they even screwed on the price. I didn't know prices here either. I think <laughs> like 1200 for a fucking shitty one-bedroom uh no AC, no nothing included uh, basement. <laughs> yeah, like really, like this guy doesn't know English, doesn't know nothing. Let's just scream over. Yeah. Yeah, got there and I went to, uh, to accomplish my dream. I went to a nice school of uh, Sweet Daddy Seeky. 
I'm not lying when I say I'm sitting here listening to you. Like, my jaw is on the fucking floor. You've lived the life that, like, movies are made of already. You moved to Canada, but you, like, found the American dream. Like, it is insane. Yeah, 
like a gold mine when I saw that ring. It's like, ah! And it was like the shittiest boxing ring ever. Like, <laughs> the first time I saw a ring in my life, you know? I, I love what you just said, too, because I begged my parents to let me get into wrestling forever. And then even at 13, I was way too young, but they finally gave in. And, like, after months and months, years of me, like, begging, I, we didn't even find a wrestling school. I, I had no idea there was wrestling schools. And then one day we just kind of browsed upon it, found it, and then it was like, okay, I got to go. And it was a Saturday morning class, and I remember it Saturday night. I was alone. We were at my my parents took me to their friend's house. I went upstairs, watched wrestling alone, and the entire time, all I'm thinking about is how do I tell my parents I don't want to do this anymore because it hurts so much more than I fucking thought it would. Guess what? That's a lot easier than telling your mom you're flying back. <laughs> and you just wasted ten thousand dollars. That equals to forty thousand. That's like a mortgage back home on that shit. Jesus. That's, that's even the worst. The worst of the stuff getting those things. So but you know what? Even even that it, 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 I, I gotta be honest, army training was like super hard, judo training was super hard, but when I hit the ring for the first time, doing stuff like uh because I, ne- I never did, like, acrobatics, right? So okay. Doing even, even, like, a hip toss or rolls actually worked on muscles that I've never really worked in my life. But I never took a hip toss in the fucking army. Yep. We're doing shitty type of rolls, stuff like that. But it wasn't the same, like, like those. So it hit me in so many spots, exactly like you're saying. Think, and after all that, I had to go and work, like, almost like a 24-hour shift, like a whole <laughs> day from job to job while, while doing this. And I was like, this thing is, like... Super hard. Like in the beginning, it was super hard. And what year was this? Just so I can like picture it all. 2011, I want to say I landed here. Close to end of 2011. Okay. So you're looking at really almost like close to 2012. And like you're at Squared Circle now. Who like takes a liking to you? Who do you buddy up with quickly? Uh, to be honest, the first guy that I was friends with was Tarek. Nice. Uh, he was, we were both similar kind of jokey guys. We, he was new, I was new, so nobody really liked about We looked like two like outsiders in a way yeah. from there. Uh, so yeah, Tarek was the first one, and then and then slowly, slowly, I kind of, I don't know if you remember, remember Julius Dolce Costas? Yes, I was thinking about him the other day and how he just kind of disappeared. He's still my best friend until today. We still every day call and shit each other and sing songs and no I kidding. Was, uh, I was singing all these words and just going to songs. Still today, the funniest guy I know, and, and, and yeah, I never put him over his face, but this guy was planning matches, like, I want to say, almost a decade ahead before, every, like, he saw that it's going into the Bring of Honor style at the time, like, me depending on Honor sure. style, and I'm talking about 2011, and was not even going there yet, and at that time, I was noticing that, and he was planning these matches, like a decade ahead. No, so why'd he leave? Why'd he get out? He just knew it's a lot of bumps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amen to that. He, he knew he can't do the flips there, and he knew that he won't be able to stay like a bad, that kind of like, because it's a different style. If you can't do that style, like, yeah, you can kind of change it, but in his mind, he didn't think, he thought that everything's going to be like that, that yep. style. And also uh, Buck, that's still one of my best friends. Fiasco, that's one of my best friends. And Jacob, your man Boris. Damn right. Dude, that's so fucking good. That's wild. That, and then yeah. how did how long were you in Canada or wrestling in general, I guess? 
before, uh, was it you, Fiasco, and Jacob that went to Mexico? Yeah, me, Fiasco, and Jacob went to Mexico. I think I went after, I want to say, six months to a year, maybe. Okay. I, I didn't even have, I, there, I don't think I even had even my first match before I went to Mexico. No, there's got to be like six months. I didn't even have my first match. Get out. And we just, yeah. And, and it's when they were like, we're going to Mexico. And I was like, well, I don't really have nothing here, so why not? Let's go. Wow. And flew to Mexico again, same style as uh, as I did to here without knowing nothing. We just got on a plane, booked a flight. Uh, it was funny because when, <laughs> when we went down to the airport, right, I had to fly on a different route from them because uh, I, I can't go into the States. Like, I just got my visa to go into the States, like, just before COVID. Uh, I so see. I had to fly, I had to fly over the States, I started across the States from, like, all around it while they were just going into it. I had like, my flight was like super long. So I waited there in Mexico and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know English, I don't know Spanish, what am I doing here? I'm waiting for these two bozos. And I don't know even if they're showing up because I even haven't saw their ticket. Is this a rip or what? So I'm sitting at the airport waiting for them. They finally come and, and it's, uh, have you ever been to Mexico? Uh, just like on vacation. So like, I've only really been to a resort. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a bus full of tourists. Oh, okay. So when we got there, we um, fiasco research and saw a hotel that he read in Chris Jericho's book that they were using. Nice. Um, I think it was called Hotel Pal, if I'm not wrong. I really don't, I'm bad at memory and remembering these small things like that I did at Game of Thrones because I was so excited to be in Mexico. Um, we go down there and they're like, uh, let's get up a taxi. I'm like, sure. I go to the first booth and it's just like a booth beside a booth beside a booth, right? I'm like, how much is the taxi there? It's like 200 pesos. I go to the guy beside, like, what would you do? And he's like, 150. And I go and I, <laughs> anyways, I got us, I got us the cheapest ride and I just look at them and they look horrified. I'm like, what's going on? Why are you guys so scared and horrified? I just got us the best fucking deal we can get. Like, don't you know what they do here? I'm like, no, I don't know what they do here. It's Mexico. I never think <laughs> I don't even know this place exists. More than just like watching Lucha. He's like, yeah, they kidnap people and they, they cut their bodies and, and sell it to like the cartels and shit. I was like, okay, whatever. So they go, <laughs> they go in and they're like, uh, if something happens, it's on you, like on me. I gotta take care of the situation. He's like, sure. They're like, sit in the front. I was like, if you guys want me to actually do something, I can't sit in the front. I gotta sit behind him. <laughs> dude this is totally your army training coming in you're like you're not even hesitating you're just like yeah if you want me to kill a guy I, I gotta be behind him can't be beside him <laughs> so it was the funniest thing ever so I'm sitting behind him and they're scared and everyone was crapping at that time it was so funny and then we get into the hotel and there's guards with like um, they didn't have M16 they had uh, Kalachikov so okay. I'm sitting there and I see all these Kalachikovs and I'm smiling all happy and I see their faces and I'm like, what's wrong with you guys now? They're like, don't you see? I'm like, yeah, security guards, right? <laughs> they're like, no, this is not security guards. I'm like, yes, it is. This is not a hotel. This is security guards. So they're like, because they've never seen, I guess, just people, with, you know, like, like a collection on the ground. Of course. Walking around. For me, it was such a, like, oh, I felt at home, you know? I was like, oh, I feel safe now. Thank you, guys. It was so funny. We yeah. get there. I remember first night was the funniest things. We're all in, like, uh, short in the small tub, sitting together in water. 
and I had a pack of cigarettes because I was smoking at the time. And and she asked for Jacob to smoke, and I'm offering them cigarettes every second while we're sitting there trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> so we we didn't even know what to do. We're like, okay, we gotta find CMLL or uh, AAA. We, the day he wakes up, the next day we get there. Uh, we walk into CMOL, it's all locked. Like the building is all locked from all around. So I was like, okay, I guess we got to find out when there's a show here, right? We go back to the hotel, we eat at the hotel, and there's a guy called Ignacio. He's the guy that uh, runs the restaurant down in the hotel. Nicest guy ever. I have even a picture with him. Nicest guy. He's like, what do you guys do? And I don't know who said, but somebody said, like, Luchadors. He's like, oh, really? He's like, Strongman is here. Strongman is here. And oh, no like, shit. What the fuck is, like, what the fuck is he talking about? So there's a guy called John Strongman. Yep. He's a huge bodybuilder. You know him? Yeah, of course. Big, big, big guy. So he called him and he gave us the phone. And we don't know what's going on, right? <laughs> so Fiasco takes the, the phone and starts talking to him like a little bit in, in Spanish, I guess. He's trying to like, uh, I don't know what he was saying, like, hola, stuff like that. And he turns the phone speaker. So I was like, yeah, who the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a white guy. Yeah, we're like, uh, we're three wrestlers from Canada. Uh, we're trying to, you know, like whatever. He's like, 20 minutes, I'll be down. He comes down with the hottest chick ever. I don't know who she is. I don't know if it's his wife or maybe I'm just ready. Right <laughs> I don't know if they were in the same room. Maybe they were just trying to turn the restaurant. I think she was actually a worker. She was trying, they were going both for the show. And he's telling us, like, all this thing. And he's like, oh, so what do you guys want to do? We're, like, uh, looking for any opportunity there is. He's like, sure, takes up the phone, calls uh, Shocker. You remember Shocker from TNA? Of course, man. This is incredible. Guapo Shocko calls him and he's like, hey, I got three luchadors from Canada here. They want uh, whatever you can get them on, right? We're like, he's like, sure, uh, be there and, like, tell them to be there. Like, in maybe, I think it was, like, an hour or something. By the way... Before John Strongman came down and told us 20 minutes he's coming down, we yeah. knew who John Strongman is. We ran up to the hotel room and we were lifting the bed and doing push ups. Yeah. 20 minutes was the most jacked and painy we can for yeah. that time. Yeah, like. By the way. If you if if listeners don't know who Strongman is, just type in his name, John Strongman. He wrestled in Noah for years, Mexico for years. This guy is a fucking tank, like one of the biggest guys I've ever seen, like pro bodybuilder that became a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, he's like. Bigger than Cage. Bigger yeah, than oh yeah. Cage. Huge guy. Like, I remember his shoulder was my head. Like, <laughs> he, he, even, he even took us to the gym before um, before we went to uh, the same OL, because they had like, a show at night when we were supposed to be Chalker. Yeah, oh yeah. And, dude, this guy was putting, like, every weight there is on, on like, every machine there is. And then you see just, like, little, like... People like us just around him looking like idiots, right? And, and this is the time that we, we thought we'd come jack and watching this guy. <laughs> like, shit. Like, the worst. And he's like, he's like, you want to train with me, guys? Uh, we saw, like, uh, three stacks of plates. We're like, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to go do some cardio today. <laughs> so, no way down. So, yeah, we, we go into uh, Mexico uh, to CMOL. We have a meeting with um, the owner. They told us in the owner. So what I didn't know is the owner, the guy that just died, I'm not sure his name, I forgot his name. Uh, he just passed away, I think, last year. Yeah, remember? a couple years ago, yeah. Uh, Pablo, is Pablo it Pueyne? Uh, uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. This is so embarrassing. Yeah. I'm ashamed that I don't remember it. Paco Alonso. Pablo, So from what I know, his wife is half Jewish or she lived in Israel or something like that. Okay. It's kind of like when they were asking us where. 
And when I said Israel, one of them was like, oh, uh, Jewish, and just pointed at that. And I was like, in my head, I was like, yes, I'm in, I'm in. So, so we thought we were meeting them, and eventually we just met Shocker. They Shocker saw matches of uh, Fiasco that was very, very good at the time. Like, yeah. very good, killing it. And Jacob, I was like, fuck, I, I'm still hitting my head in the wall that he's not signed, like, today. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm showing him, like, a promo that I did with uh, Woodsy, with um, Sabre. And, and it's just me doing a promo with, like, money as a Jewish guy. And he's, like, loving the matches. And he goes to me, I was like, shit, I don't have a match, right? And he's like, I love this character development that you do. And I'm like, it's like the shittiest promo I've ever done in my life, right? <laughs> like, my first one. And he loves it. He's like, come tomorrow morning. We'll start training. And from there, we were just training in Mexico. Like, what people would do with, like, fed tryouts or all these hard tryouts. Yep. That was like an everyday routine for us in Mexico, like the best shape ever. You can barely breathe. We will be on, on the roof. We will be doing uh, stuff like, uh, you know how people are always like, let's do uh, uh, three clotheslines or take like a clothesline from everybody or something like that? Yeah, yeah. We were doing, we were doing fucking leapfrogs over everybody. Yeah. I can't even jump, leapfrogs, all these crazy... He's like, go for missile or drop kick, and they just move out of the way. So you take this hardest block, <laughs> We were like, oh man, like the first day we got there, we were like, this is nothing like we expect. And we were working super hard before going there. We were working on the left side, like, uh, sorry, on the right side. Yeah. We were working uh, like all these drills we were doing from morning to night. And after, the best part is like, after all these things that we would do, he comes, takes us to the ring, and it was somebody walking across, and he's like, hey, Everybody suddenly is acting like they hate each other because it's so real there. Wow. It's fucking real there. If there's somebody in the venue that they don't know who it is, if it's a reporter or something, you better fucking cave or they're going to beat the shit out of you. I love that. Yeah, amazing. I'm still until today. I <laughs> other people, I, I'll keep in touch. And then after all this, he goes like, you see this ring? And now we're in, Amer- in uh, Arena Mexico, right? Wow. Like, well, you want to get into the ring? And so we start going into the ring. And he's like, no, 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 no. I said, if you want to get to the ring, I was like, yeah, start fucking running these stairs up and down. Oh, so fuck. Like, so let's go up the stairs, run the whole venue, go down the stairs, back again, up. I was like, fuck. I, I was in the best shape of my life there, and I was still smoking a pack of cigarettes <laughs> the whole time while I was doing that. But yeah, Mexico was amazing. Very fun time. Yeah, that's it. And, 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 and knowing, like, like, like a guy like Andrade, like uh, Sombra, right? At yep. the time, he was like the top guy. And was like a super nice, super nice guy to us. Uh, somebody like uh, Ultimo Guerrero, super nice. And I'm just like in my head, I'm like, look at all these guys, they're top guys, they're making money. They see us as corners, they see maybe we can make money out of it. Super nice, helping us rush, helping us. Like, they don't know who we are, they don't know what we are. For them, we were actually, we we're just like people that were like two months there and left. That's all we were for them, right? And they were super nice to us. And then you'll go in here sometimes in the locker room. And you'll have somebody that's like too cool to even talk to a new kid. Yeah. That, that thing is like, that that's over there when I saw that, it was like, fuck, they treated us like dogs. And when I was doing shows here, like nobody even wanted to talk to me, right? They take their time to remember your name. They take time to, to try all these things. I was walking in the streets because every time I would be like finishing the stuff, I would just walk around. They didn't want to walk around with me too much. But uh, I would just go for a walk and see the place, right? Yep. And I was talking to uh, somebody like the whole time, and and I thought he was trying to mug me or something because he just say talking to me and walking around and you know went for like a beer and stuff. In my head, you know, I always have the self conscious of like I don't know this guy is he just nice to me or 
you know, you want something. And then uh, he kind of like went to pick something up and moved. And I saw a tattoo to have the same worker that I saw the tattoo that I remembered from the venue. Okay. And, and I did one plus one. I was like, this fucking guy is super nice to me because he just saw me at the fucking, you know, the Arena Mexico. Yeah. And because they have like a gym upstairs and classes and stuff like that. So something that's crazy. Like over here, you barely get a fucking handshake sometimes from people. Absolutely. These guys are like, these guys are becoming like the nicest guys to you. Crazy, crazy different culture. That's inspirational and, to hear, dude. Yeah, like if, if, if they didn't want to go back and if I would have been so tight on money or if I was just smart enough to re, re, relocate it there, I think I would have stayed there like probably even forever. Like no such kidding. an awesome place. And is it true, I, this might have changed in the past like 20 years, but uh, I've never wrestled in Mexico, but the rumor always was that like, for one, I always knew the guys were conditioned well, and after you saying what they went through every day, it explains it. But aren't Mexican rings notoriously stiff as well? Oh, concrete. The worst. <laughs> the worst. We, we used to do, I told you, I kind of we used to do like the, the leapfrogs and all these stuff. Yep. One of the random like random like uh like just a random workout will be picking up people for uh what's it called way better just than uh mexican slam oh yeah so i just hit people with mexican slam <laughs> and it will take like that's a stiff bump too pants. yeah it's a worst bump you would shit in your pants you would like if you would try to be nice like when we used to lift each other we would just be like to each other like like hey fucking man like you know like if it was fiasco something's like fucking squat low and they would squat super <laughs> low Yeah. And, and my English was still bad. So Shocker's like, uh, jumping jacks, uh, push ups, drop downs, and all of these things. And he's like, push ups. And I'm doing crunches, right? Yeah. He said, push ups. And I'm doing crunches. And, like, and he looks at me and he's like, I said, uh, do you know what push ups is? And I'm like, yes, I'm doing push ups in my fucking eagle head, right? <laughs> and he's like, you're doing crunch, crunches, you motherfucker. You owe me one. And then we got to the gym. Awesome. Best workout ever. Me and Chopper did a workout, and he's just fucking killing me. He's just like trying to bully me to like the hardest workout, but in, in a lovable way. Yeah. Like, like stuff that like again, like who, who would be walking in the fucking? I think you're going into like a, a WWE place. You're trying to walk on eggshells, but then you have Chopper that's like, uh, I want to say, yeah, he's still he's like Conan here. I would say, and, and then just come and do a workout with you. Just be like, hey, come work out with me, get in better shape. Like, you don't ever see stuff like that. I love, like, I think as I get older and my goals and ambitions change, I think what I want more than anything is, like, for guys when I leave to have stories, like, to share stories about me like you're sharing about Shocker, if that makes sense. Like, I want, yeah. like, that I treated people well and stuff. I think that stuff means more to me now than any titles or contracts or anything. Because, I don't know, the respect to your peers goes so far. And, like, I always like Shocker just based on his ring work. I fucking love the guy now just after hearing how well he treated, like, someone that I'm close to you know like there's something there like maybe it's the fraternity of pro wrestling coming out again and how dark and dirty it can be sometimes because like you said sometimes you'll go into a locker room in fucking kitchener ontario or something and you'll get attitude from weekend warriors where these guys like andrade you said fucking dating rick flair's daughter right now and he's just the nicest guy ever to you you remember um 
she always used to take us to like this restaurant almost I want to say from I want to say like two three times a week and he would feed us to in a restaurant chicken and, and stuff like that and, and would always take care of us like crazy like he would have he would have like people pick us up sometimes from hotels or wow. give us tickets to the show he'll give us merch like yeah shitty merch not the expensive one but he really put a liking into us I, I feel like I feel like they really we kind of fucked up when we had to leave yep and, and I think like they really have plans for us it's kind of like a, a trio a weird kind of thing like Fiasco was the, the cool uh, Drake style I want to say at the time kind yep. of thing that wasn't wasn't going on there Jacob was doing his Russian and me as a Jewish guy they never really had something like that at the time you know they, they really didn't have it and, and I think they were really building on us and they were very upset when we left that that's kind of like why we didn't go back in the beginning even that I think he would never remember us mm-hmm. in, in a funny way because you know you meet so many people and like you, you just don't remember them unless unless we left any person then I'll be like get the fuck out of here or something like that yeah. but yeah that, that stuff that's like crazy and um, because of that so honestly I, I do yeah I'll laugh with people and I'll sound like a dick sometimes just joking with people but I will always have new kids back or or help them out or if they don't get paid or something like that I would always fucking stand up for them and be like hey this is not right this is you know like stuff like that yeah. I won't let people at least take advantage of other people and I think that's only become a bad experience compared to like watching that to, to like a, a backstage there to like a backstage of like WWE like totally different I think that's like, like the real if you boil down this entire story, that's like the big takeaway. It's like, get rid of the fucking ego, boys. It doesn't matter. All that matters in this life is how you treat each other. Treat each other, and, and, and if wrestling didn't have so much clicks, like here in Ontario, let's say, yeah. and over there they're working for the total show of what can get them money. You know, if, if the if shows were here different and it were like that, and let's say I'm not a guy that should be on a show or can give people money, I'm fucking cool with that. Yeah. But when it's kind of like they just broke their own friends and then you see like awesome talent just sitting outside and, and, and they're just not trying to make the show better, and then they complain where there's like 30 people in the crowd and no storylines and all these. I think that's the things that hit, hit people like, that's what really hurts Ontario wrestling, I would say. Oh, I... I... I agree totally. That's it's, it's everywhere like that. Like everywhere that you know, you've been around, you've done some shows around. Like Impact is similar, Fed is similar. Everywhere you go, it's just fucking more eggshells. Yeah, stuff. And that's why I like being that beacon of light to a guy, because even a new guy, they walk into a locker room, just just a, a random indie show. You know, like, it's nerve-wracking, like you explained before. You just walking into squared circle training, you it was ner- you were nerve-wracked. And just having those guys that kind of welcomed you and treated you nicely, that goes so much further than people ever realize. And I think that's, like, really the most important thing. It's not who taught you how to bump, who taught you how to do this. It's, like, who welcomed you. Absolutely. And, and I, I did Brandon's podcast a while ago, and I was like, hey, who was the first guy that actually you know, talking to you, and he had to go back and remember, and it was like, I was the first guy that, let's say, when a brand them, the Brandon came in, like, they just saw this chubby kid, they yeah. like, this guy's not gonna stick around, and he's gonna fucking stick around more than maybe the guys that were thinking that, kind of left, and they were sitting still there, you know, like a Shane Saber came looking like a Harry Potter kid, with the glasses <laughs> and the hair, you know, such a nice kid, like a quiet, 
you know, me fiasco and and Boris taking him in and you know making him woodsy and just you know helping him out and whatever we can at the time and and seeing him now how he looks he looks like a man now you know? does he ever oh, he looks he looks he's awesome in wrestling like that those are the things that really like now hits me but in the beginning don't forget in the beginning I was like watching people and I had the the, the mentality of like. I'm the best, I'm this, I don't need to listen to this. I had a shitty mentality too, but it wasn't like, I wasn't people telling people because I didn't even know how to contact with people. Yeah. I was just watching this and it was like in my head, like, you know, this is probably the wrong way, but it was, there is no wrong way. And that's yeah. something that I just have to learn with time. You know, like everywhere you go, there's different styles. It's all about growing and evolving as a person and as a wrestler, but as a person, much more importantly. Now, talk to me about your WWE stuff, because, like, you worked Jason Jordan on Raw. Am I wrong? That's smart, but, uh, dude. I'll tell you the, the best secret. Before I was talking, I was talking to a couple of, uh, I was talking, I think, to Chad Dangerous and uh, North London Wrestling and Crossfire. But I, I, I really like them because they gave me an opportunity to be a, a main eventer guy and do me mm-hmm. without me being friends with them, kind of thing with politics or just just what was good for their business. Yeah. And I was kind of like asking them for advice. They were both like, hey, you know, we both did it one time. It's just going in the back. So whatever you can, just keep it and I was like I don't like that mentality I'm not going to go there and be like this is my only time and and walking in there the first time uh, they were just like hey we need somebody to what's it called do a do a security guard and I was like sure I'll do it and I was like hey I'm giving a secret out here but it's everybody with common sense like we said should know this they tell you to stay in in this shitty room they don't know who you are what you are you got to go and sell yourself out. So I'm walking, walking, and I see writer's room. Ah, writer's room. What a boy. Walk in with my yarmulke. They think this guy's probably some, somebody important. As like, as like, I used to do the same thing at Ring of Honor, just super nice, and everybody would come and shake my hand like I'm the money guy. And I'll, I'll be like, what's your name again? And they're like, Jay Leto. Oh, nice to meet you, my friend. You know? So I, I walk there, I see them, and I see them writing that they need uh, Rich Swan gets hurt and they need two uh, medical guys. I'm like, oh, you guys need medical guys? I'm part of the extras. If you need them here, bam, I'm the guy that's doing <laughs> Dude, that. Dude, the set of balls you have is incredible. Oh, this, is, this, is, this is even not nothing yet. Like, trust me. This is, just this is my first day getting out of the comfort zone, right? More than, more than that, the funniest thing of talking to, uh, I was talking to Michael Cole and I, what's his name, Graves, Corey Graves, just walking around talking to them, and I gave them the shittiest fuck ever, and I couldn't just walk away, so I'm sitting there for a couple of minutes and doing it very snowy, and I'm like, okay guys, it was nice meeting you, and they're just looking at their face like, these guys want to fucking kill me. So then we come the next day, I think the next day was a, a pay-per-view, Survivor Series, it was the part when we go out, so uh, 
uh, Michael Hayes comes and he's like, hey, I need six guys. And I was far away from them. Like, fuck, I was doing my spin. I wasn't in the right place. Yeah. And he goes, like, I need six guys. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know who he pointed at or what he pointed at. He's like, be here at eight o'clock. No problem. Sounds good. I go to Nick, Asylum. I'm like, hey, come with me. So I'm like, what do you want? I was like, Asylum, come with me. <laughs> we started walking, walking, walking. I see the prop uh, where I got the day before the, the shirt of the props, right? Yep. I, <laughs> I got a prop where I'm like, I need two uh, security t-shirts. We got something going on today. Because <laughs> in Asylum, security t-shirts, we get to choose the size we want. The other guys just got some random sticks. They had to put them on, right? <laughs> he said, he said to be the aid, right? So I'm walking, and I'm walking around, same thing again, walking, seeing all these places, and they're like, we need those extras at like eight, uh, and he's like, I told him to be there at eight. I think Jericho, somebody said, if you can get them earlier, tell us. I'm like, hmm, interesting. I go to catering, I go to asylum, I hit him on the head, I was like, asylum, cut. We walk into the room, 7.30, walking into the floor, <laughs> and, and we're watching Randy Orton and Jericho uh, putting a Survivor Series match, roll-ins, Roman, uh, Barry Wyatt, like such an awesome experience seeing how they plan the matches and try to try to work the harder way to save some bucks to the way. Sure. Learning more from them. And, and, and fucking Hayes is like, hey, you're here, right? He's like, where's the other guy? And I really didn't know who the other guys are. It's not like I tried, like, you know, not to make the cut, but they came in after. And he's like, hey, I thought I said six. And I had, we all know what, uh, Michael Hayes did all his 20s, 30s, 40s, yeah. 50s, 60s. He doesn't remember nothing. I'm like, okay, well, he's like, okay, well, eight of you, just go out there. So me and Asylum are sitting in Gorilla. This is when Shane McMahon took that big bump and uh, knocked himself out. Yep. Yeah, and you see Stephanie, Hunter, and Vince from the other side. Ask him if it's okay. Ask him if it's okay. And Stephanie grabs the, the, the headset from her dad and is like, ask him if it's okay. And, and he's okay, he's okay, we'll go in. Now, before the match, Dean Ambrose comes up to us with me in asylum, and he comes up and he's like, hey guys, just know I'm swinging out there, so be prepared. Yep. I'm going to be swinging. Yep. Now, I'm like, okay, we're sitting there, we're getting the cue, now me and asylum are the first ones in Gorilla. Now, we shouldn't even be there. Like, <laughs> we're just taking liberties here. We're sitting there, and we start running, and I'm running the first one out, and then in my head comes shit, we all got to catch Dean Ambrose, and Dean Ambrose is swinging. And in my head, I did the fast map, because I was like, oh, wait, hey, when it gets to the big show, and you got to take bumps and do something, you will take it. And that's when I said, fuck it. very <laughs> <laughs> slow, and I let everybody pass me, and then I was the last one to take those bumps. And if, if you ever watch the video, you will see me, see Roman Reigns. Uh, it was Reigns and, 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 and Seth Rollins up. Seth Rollins gives Karu the stiffest knee ever. And I see him coming at me with eye contact. I turn around, I see Roman, and like, punch me, and I'm so close to him, but he has no choice but to give me the shittiest, like, punch ever. And I stop. I'm like, I'm not taking this fucking punch from these guys. I'm sorry. But yeah, they're awesome, but I- I'm not getting paid to take a real punch here. I'll go to MMA. So I-, I take that. That's awesome. We get a hands, basically shake our hands. We're good. And then, and then the next day was... I think a promo with Rusev and Enzo. Okay. They're doing the promo. Now I'm walking and I see there's nobody there and Enzo's doing a, a promo. And usually when you watch Raw, there's always people in the back standing, right? Yep. I'm like, huh, fuck these guys. I wonder if they stand just here and drink coffee. <laughs> and then what happened? They're going to tell me to go out of here. And, and I'm just doing it and Enzo cuts a promo and he sees me and he's like, how you doing? Talks to me. 
mean, it's like, you know, you are not supposed to start back and just shaking my head. I see a fighter. A fighter starts standing beside me. And then, if you ever watch it, it's Ashley Six, me, a silent, everybody just started standing there because they started seeing us doing it. And I was just like, shut this. I'm starting to get in my TV time at this place. I don't care. <laughs> And, and then came the last day, Monday Night Raw, because it was like SmackDown Raw and all these things, right? Different Raws. And, and again, same thing. Um, there was standing there. I, I was doing my shit walking around. And then I walk into the ring and I see them all, like, everybody's, like, talking to Ryan Anderson. I was like, fuck, I fucked it up. Because I was sitting with, like, I was sitting with, like, uh, Rotundi, uh, IRS, and Becky Lynch. And okay. Like, I was just sitting with him with all of them and just talking to them. Just like... You know, acting like we're not enough. And the other day we are. Yeah, you got a job here, but some of you guys do not even deserve a job here. Yep. You know? And, and I walk in and it's like, fuck, I fucked it up. And he's like, who works uh, the longest? And I see all these people from uh, Montreal. And I'm not going to be an asshole because like, I work longer than them. Like, I did this a spot too. And it's like, just do a punch. And they punch and their punch was like horrible. They were stomping. So I'm like, common sense. He doesn't like stomping because he's shooting on his fucking punch and stomp comes the next guy, that was like a Jim Duggan chat. I was like, okay, this guy wants a big fucking punch. I do the slap and slap on the hand. I got lucky that my punch was very nice that day. Swords <laughs> are nice, but punches are better. He's like, do it again. I'm like, oh, fuck. I do it one more time, man. He's like, kid, you're going to get a spot tonight. Now, this is where you're going to pop. He gets me into the ring. We're sitting there, and he's like, do you want to take his finisher? In my head, I'm like, Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan. Amazing, I lay on my stomach and I give him my leg. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, kid, what are you doing? I'm like, don't worry, just put me in the ankle lock. It's good, it's good. He's like, he's like, I don't do an ankle lock. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I don't want to take an ankle. I'm too cold to take an ankle, <laughs> ankle slam right now. He's like, oh, I do this thing where it's like a, a belly to back, a pimp, I push you up and into an ankle breaker. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, not only I'm scared of heights, I got to take this thing up in the air now and jump. I haven't bumped in like 13 years now. <laughs> By this time, I'm like, what are we going to do? He's like, okay. He's like, do you want a crash pad for it? I was like, honestly, it's not necessary. And I'm saying it while I get out of the ring and I'm grabbing it. <laughs> so I'm like, not so like a bitch, but I'm trying to tell him. He's going to be time come back in. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I go in. And, and I'm really good in posting. Like, I, if I really want to, I can, if you pick me up a better bike and I really want to, I'm going to be like a light as a feather. Sure. And I, and I go up and I take the nicest, sweetest bump, but I was so scared from that push-up that I was holding my hair inside <laughs> that, I, that I swallowed all the air. And you know when you're about to cough and, and while you're doing? Yeah. So he's like, how is it? I'm like, it's perfect. Holding my cough for like 20 minutes, as long as I can. <laughs> it's perfect. We're going to start this match. And that's how I got it in, just from fucking, again, being in there and and confidence. Like, I always looked like I belong. I never looked like I'm the guy in the corner. Uh, I saw a lot of people there that were, like, like stopping people in the middle to shake their hands. Like, oh, what do you need to shake the guy's hand? Yeah. He doesn't really care who you are, remember you are. Just kind of a fucking nod with the head, you know, fist bump, you know, whatever. If you have a chance, talk to them. Don't be that annoying guy that shakes everybody's hand. Like, people are talking in the middle of the thing. The only guy that I, I was walking around and I saw, oh, you remember, um, you know, Lance Eduardo? Of course, yeah. So Lance was doing Lucha with me at the time before he got signed. And it's so funny. He's like, yo, what is that? Is that a gimmick? And I turn around and I see behind him Triple H and Vince McMahon, right? So he's standing against the queue up. 
And I'm like, no, what? Don't you know that I go with this all the time? <laughs> <laughs> the second they go to the room, it's like, yeah, man, it's just the word. <laughs> don't shout it out here, man. Don't shout it out here. Don't ruin my shit. This guy. Dude, way, this, uh, this is uh, incredible. People, I just want to, like... Tell you, like this is this whole this is the best extra story I've fucking ever heard. The fucking brass balls you got dangling between your fucking legs on a daily basis is so unbelievable. The best of this is they come up to me the whole day and they're like, "Hey, what are you wearing?" And I have a shirt on. If yeah. you ever watch my promo, I have a tank top on. So okay. I just lift up my hand and my my, my chest up, and I'm like just a singlet, right? And like just a plain singlet, just a plain singlet, yeah. Lift it up again. They asked me like maybe 17 times, what are you wearing? And I'm picking it up and showing them that. And two seconds in, my promo is live with Kurt Angle. The second I finish my promo, I take the shirt off and I start walking into Gorilla. I get into Gorilla and then I hear them, is that a, is that a stop? And I'm walking out to Gorilla. Gorilla is so big that you got to take a small circle. I was kind of lost in there. Okay. But two seconds in, you'll see like Booger T saying, that's Trump Angle and then they, they say something about that. They see the star of David. And you see that they're caught, right? I was like, if I'm already doing this, A, I promised myself I would get it to at least one match. That was my dream. Yeah. And I was like, and I had to represent, like, who I am and actually put a fucking... Fucking right, dude. Um, and so I was like, you know what? It, it got me so much heat with so much shows, even, even here in the Indies. And, and I had from people like that were, I'm not going to call them out, but they were like, oh, we, we, we do shows in churches, we do shows here, we do that. We, we don't need the, the Jewish gimmick. I was like, fuck that. I went all this way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be peace tomorrow on the news, paper back home. Yeah. As the first ever Israeli to really do this. And <laughs> I did not get on the news. I didn't give a fuck, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Dude. In, uh, I've taken so much away from this talk, but over, like, more than anything, I think, is the fact that, like, I'm a big believer in what you said earlier was, like, act like you've been there before. That, like, if you confidence is the one thing in the world you can fake and it still comes off as legitimate. But just the yeah. fact that you were just, like, you had this YOLO mentality that entire time and it just worked out. Like, right place, right time, call it what you will, but fucking putting your ass out there and taking the risk of kind of like being out there, being put out there and just saying hi to the people you need to say hi to. Like everything you just said was so, I don't want to say motivational, but I'm going to because they're fucking right. Like how, how you just put yourself out there. Dude, incredible. And like, what did that feel like? Like, Maybe it wasn't sold out, but for the sake of this conversation, we're going to say a sold out Air Canada Center, was it? Actually, it was sold out Air Canada Center. It was sold out. There we and, go. And you know what? It, it didn't hit me in the beginning when I was sitting there and there was the clock coming down. Because I was like, ah, I heard way too many stories of they cut you off last second. Oh, segment five. I'm sitting with Kurt Angle talking to him. He's like, I think they're going to cut us over. And, and I felt also bad because you see a guy like uh, Curtis Axel that he was acting like he's injured. I'm like, fuck, I'm taking a spot from such an awesome wrestler, second generation, and now I'm going to be like this asshole that takes this spot. But, but you know what, sitting there, and I was kind of start texting uh, Fred's back home, yep. and, and like parents and stuff like that, and I was like, in my head, you know, it's like, fuck, I, I've been, you know, like almost 10 years wanting this, 
I've done so much. You know, everybody always thinks that they deserve it. And like, like we said, you know, slept in a hotel, I slept in a car, drove. But I was like, in, in my head, I was like, no, fuck it, I really do deserve this because I actually did go above and beyond. And there's people that do above and beyond, but I always felt that I had that such confidence in me. And, and it's funny because even my wife, she went to Israel the same time that I was there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she would ask me every time, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just getting ready for my match on Raw for months. I swear to God, for months. And she wrote before she flew, uh, August 7, on, on the, the, what's it called? On the glass, um, on a mirror. Mm-hmm. And put like a kiss on it. That's like a joke. But every time I would say, I would be like, I had so much confidence and I so knew that I'm going to be on this Raw that it's crazy. Like, because if you sit there, you don't, you don't really believe. And, and just clock going down, and then I'm like thinking all these things, you know, like, like leaving home, leaving this, leaving that, all these opportunities that, you know, I, I should have maybe got, but I got cut off because of this, got cut off because of that. And, and, you know, there was also like a, a thing for Japan that was supposed to happen before that, and I wasn't buddies, buddies with somebody, so I didn't get that. And it's always like, I was like, always like trying to be. You know, in there, and then when it hits me, when it's I'm watching in a small monitor, and you know how they have that that they're now forever kind of thing. Yep. And and the music hits, and glass live, and you hear the fireworks, and you're sitting there, and I'm like, I'm I'm gonna be on fucking wrong. Like it's it's crazy. Like again, you watch this, you believe it, but you don't ever think like you imagine you have it in your head like how it's gonna work, but you don't really think that you're gonna have a problem with Kurt Angle and then go outside <laughs> the ring and, and all these crazy stuff, you know? Like, no, usually you're the guy that fucking slaps your legs twice, put the one finger up, get the fucking spear and you're out, right? <laughs> and I'm getting this awesome entrance and everything and it was like, it was amazing. It, it was such a surreal experience. It was, it was cooler because it was just months before me hitting my 30 mm-hmm. that I promised myself on this beginning of this journey that I, at least one time. I always like was saying at least one indie match I want, at least one this and at least one time to experience something above me. That was always my goal from you know, obviously everybody wants a contract. Yeah. But coming from a different country without knowing English, without knowing this, again, I was always I, I always had like common sense. I was like, there's no really way right now like this without knowing English, without knowing this, without knowing that. And, and the second that it came out, the first thing I did was actually message my aunt. And you remember that when I left a decade ago, I was laughing and she told me, it's like going to Hollywood and trying to get in a movie. Yep. And, and I sent her a screenshot and somebody sent me from the thing and I was like, I made it to the movie. Wow. And, and you know, it's kind of things that, again, it's, it's stuff that you... So many things that I gave up on just to do this instead of going there, instead of like staying in Israel, instead of, you know, like very, very a lot of things. But it was such a surreal moment. But you know what else? It, it tried to give me the most thing that it gave me. It gave me wanting more. Mm-hmm. And since pandemic fucked me over in the last, everybody, like two years of this, uh, I couldn't cross the border, right? So I was supposed to be on trials, but I could never go to trials in the States. Mm-hmm. I could have never gone to do a show in the States. And, you know, like doing a show in the States like was like a dream come true to me. But now that I can have, that I have my visa, I can go. Problem is, time is not really by my side. I'm, I'm 33 right now. I know that I'm becoming a little bit older. But uh, every time every time I, I see stuff like that, I know, uh, here, I'm, I'm going to throw another scoop 
but me watching the wrestling game and, and understanding what's going on kind of thing, I know that NXT right now is a very hard thing to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sure. even if I go, let's be in NXT, I'm a nobody until I get a name, until this, I'm 40, I'm out. Uh, yes, AEW open, but same thing, that's, that's harder with connections, in a way. But uh, seeing all these people go to other places, Ring of Honor is empty right now. Yep. So, you know, just being being kind of always a hip palm from the hand. You know, Ring of Honor is a very big option. Yeah, I don't do that style so much, but I think they changed away from that style. Oh, they absolutely so, have. Yeah, after all, when things open up again and, and stuff like that, I think that's now that I can go finally to the States and drive after uh after that, for like, let's say, if they have a tour and stuff like that, but I really don't know why nobody really does often. Because mm-hmm. that's a common sense, I would say, too. Yeah, it's pricey, but, you know, work that extra shit. Don't don't sleep in the car. Work out our ships. Get that gas money. And, and those, I think, are the best opportunities right now. Dude. Stuff like that. And not, to give yourself a little cre- credit, too, you don't prefer the Ring of Honor style or the New Japan style, but, like, you can work it. I made you work it that one night. Like, you can do it. You, Tarek, everybody. If, if I need to do it, I will do it. If I need to, I'll, do, I'll work on that card with handstand. <laughs> also, they have a lot of... I don't think they, they're really doing that too much right now. From what I've seen, they're more into chain wrestling. Yes, big time. And, and I've, done, I've done MMA all my life, judo. I am more of a technical... Like, nobody sees this, because I don't do it. And there's no point of me doing that because if I'm working in a show with Tyson and Tyson's doing it and Tyson's awesome in it, you know what I mean? Like, yep. why would I do the same thing like in an opener and take away from a main eventer? Yep. But when I, like, I trained with Yoki Shikawa when, like, Battlewise was up and, and I was like, he used to call me Superstar. I was his favorite student. And me and him would be training in there like crazy. Like, he would make me do that style into a mixed style wrestling and teach the class sometimes. And that's something that I didn't really, um, I, I was trying to get into it right now. I don't know if you kind of saw my new gimmicks when I had like the, the, the MMA shorts kind of thing. Yep, the yep. I, like that's when it was supposed to come out now. And then basically COVID hit. And oh, I, when I was trying to mold myself into the new, into a new me that I think could work better for that style. Because again, always, I always look at where's the opportunity. And how can I change myself into that style to actually work it? You are an incredibly intelligent dude, too. I don't think I realized, like, the foresight you had for everything. That is, like, incredible that you've always had kind of a plan. And if a curveball came your way and you had to steer the course, it's just like, okay, I can't go here. But if I just angle over here a little bit, I can get where I need to be. You you know what? It's funny because your friend's very good with Josh and, and Ethan and they were doing the tag team yep. when they really needed it and I was begging people that I kind of knew and kind of liked and I knew that they can even before they were doing and I was like hey guys there's some fucking tag teams on these shows let's do this let's do this let's do this and everybody would be like yes and then I'm like they want to get gimmicks and I was like okay I'll get us gimmicks and then we'll do like one match together and it's kind of a match like you really need somebody that's close friends with you or in the same mind head. Yes. And I didn't have that. And I was like, watching them. was like, fuck, good on them. These guys actually pay attention to what's going on around more than just being like, hey, I watched this on Rob today. Can I do this? Yeah. You know? like, You're not wrong. They're, they're, yeah. Like a lot of people do that. 
and and hopefully, hopefully, if people listen to this, they will try to see diff- different things. You know, like a little bit stuff differently. Like again, bumps is awesome, but if if you have no health card and and you gotta work two jobs and you're in a cast and you can't do that and you gotta go work as a barman, thank God behind behind the bar. That helped me very very well, very fast. And, you know, like. Yeah, man. Yes, this is a business, but we also we also need to wake up tomorrow. We also are getting older, so we need to get houses. We need to get cars. We need to get stuff like that. Like, you know, like we can't always just depend on this too. Like yep. You always gotta be smart. It's not putting the same eggs in one eggshell, but uh, or whatever they say, baskets. I'm not to say that shit, but you always gotta know. Sometimes I'm not saying it's giving up, but also knowing that hey, you need other stuff going on i agree completely dude i've i've it took me a long time my parents used to always talk like that and i'd be like you don't know shit i'm gonna be a pro wrestler and yeah as i've gotten older and age is a big thing when kind of your reality changes in your mindset and you're just like okay like even a successful pro wrestler really minus a couple 40 years old is kind of the limit not for everyone but i'd say the average for sure is about yeah so it's just like yeah you gotta have other things in mind you gotta have life ready yeah yeah 100% of that you kind of touched up on this before but like I think you mentioned it uh, your aunt but when you were on Raw what was your parents reaction to that because oh it's fucking hilarious there's actually videos of them Uh, my dad is delusional about wrestling and still thinks it's uh, real to him (laughs) and he still doesn't understand how me when I did judo and all these things and uh, a former captain of eight soldiers uh, bringing them home safe from a war sitting in a corner while the other guy runs at him and gives him a tackle and stuff (laughs) like that so there's a video of him he's like why aren't you moving why aren't you moving move why is he and then I hit him and he's like what why did he not move <laughs> like the funniest thing I ever watching and he just screams in Hebrew and starts swearing and when I lose it's like I can't believe this he just lost his shot he had one shot and then I'm like you know it doesn't work like that he's like well you're an idiot you, you took opportunity to get there should have punched him in the face <laughs> and, and beat him up I, I will say that guy is the only guy that ever lift me up from one side of the corner to the other side of the corner without even helping him up <laughs> for a second. For a second. He lifts me so close to the corner that I think he's just going to turn around. If you ever watch the video, I'm kind of holding the hand, kind of trying to guide him. Yep. And I see him right to the other fucking side. Now, <laughs> this guy is, this motherfucker is the biggest beast I've ever seen in my life. Because I'm like 240 at that time. Sandbag out of my life. Because I don't want to fucking... <laughs> I, I don't want to go with him either. <laughs> I'm like, sandbag all the way to the side. Hilarious. Craziness. That's awesome, dude. This has been fucking any... I, I was expecting big things with you coming on the pod, but believe me, like, I can't emphasize this enough. Like, <laughs> blew my any expectations I had out of the water. I literally messaged... Uh, I'm in a group chat with Steve Brown and Del Bruno. And like 25 minutes ago... I messaged them in the group chat, and I was like, you guys got to listen to this pod. It's fucking incredible. And, uh, dude, like, I honestly, this was, I learned a ton from it. Uh, I love listening to you. You're a great storyteller. You should have your own fucking podcast. You lived an insane life before you even got involved with wrestling. It's just, it's wild, dude. 
thank you so much for coming on. This has been a real fucking blast. No problem, no problem. And if you hit on, on podcast, I'm actually right now doing uh, with Worthy and Hardbody. Um, it's Black Belt Podcast. Damn right, yeah. I don't know when it drops or whatever, but uh, if you want to see my other side of me just trolling people like that, <laughs> having, having fun, uh, watch that. Because we just put a bang of an episode. I don't know when it comes out, but fucking awesome stuff. Dude, I'll keep an eye out. Um, there's one last thing. Oh, first off, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I want to plug my Instagram. I got fucking. Come out of me. My Facebook is personal. Nothing to fucking plug. If, if people want to see me, they can see me at a show when shows come back. And hopefully, don't get too excited because I'm not going to probably bump there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they can see. Tomer Shalom bumped on WWE Raw, okay? He doesn't have to bump in the Polish hall. <laughs> All right, last thing. I ask every guest um, yes. at the end of this podcast, I'm going to play a song. It can be any song for any rhyme or reason, any genre, it doesn't matter. What song would you like played at the end of this podcast? And I'll edit it in. Um, let's, let's end it on a happy note because life is happy. I it's love that. Words and shit that we're talking. Uh, put something cold play that's exciting. Uh, what's that thing it's called? Uh, You're gonna have to help me out. I'll read up with a couple. I'm not big on Coldplay. Paradise, okay. Clocks. Come on, man! You have to do Coldplay, but you're good on something too. Swift. What's going on? Man? I like country music. I don't like British bad teeth music. Okay. Hey, last question before that. Uh, boots and hearts. Yes. Is that a, a, Do you enjoy going to that because of the music or because of the short shorts and the cowboy boots? Oh, that's definitely. I, one, know, I know you're married, but one hundred percent column A and column B there. The sluts that go to Boots and Hearts. All right. All right. Uh, you can have this one. This is just for you. Um, you got married in the end? Sorry? You got married in the end? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got married last summer. Because I was the same boat as you. COVID fucked me over. I paid so much money to get married in Israel. And because of Israel, we got stuck. And we didn't even get married yet. When did you guys get married? Did oh, fuck. Well, we had... Uh, we were supposed to be... Uh, fly out to Vegas on WrestleMania day and then get married the following Thursday. And of course that couldn't happen. March, tw it was like March 15th, the world shut down. So then yeah, it was yeah. July. Uh, she, we wanted to get married cause we wanted to have a baby. We didn't want, and she wanted to fit in her dress. And yeah. so we ended up getting married in my brother's backyard. We had a small ceremony in uh, the end of July, and it was fucking awesome, honestly. Like, no complaints. I'd never been to Vegas, so I didn't know what I was missing out on. So I can confidently say I wouldn't have had it any other way because I can't. I don't have anything to compare it to. Because you've never been there. Yeah, um, exactly. But that's that's awesome. Congrats on the kid. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a baby girl, baby girl. Yep. Oh man, that's the best. Like. I'm for boys, and we don't do nothing for our parents. When they get older, and like I, I see girls, like my, my wife, like Mother's Day was just going around the corner. She had flowers shipped to my parents back home, to her parents back home. Like everything was set up. Like those is the best, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. thrilled, man. And yeah, you're right. They're godsends. We're pieces of shit, and they take care of us. But. Wow, you get tough. <laughs> but 
you got cut off. I didn't hear. Okay, yeah, just Coldplay. Uh, what what song did you say there is? Uh, we got uh v- Okay, I'll read them out. Viva La Vida, Yellow, The Scientist, Fix You, Him for the Weekend, Paradise, and Clocks. Those are just the ones that pop up. Let's let's do uh. Beautiful. It's by, it's by some girl, and it starts with a C. You all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's not the regular one. It's not just for the regular one. It doesn't matter. Got it. We'll have it. Beautiful, right. dude. <laughs> I, I listen to it back. It's like fucking Maxi Boys. <laughs> <laughs> dude, this was a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, when are you getting married? Do you have a date yet? Damn right, dude. I was, I, was, I was in the same boat. All right, so man. It's good. Good stuff. Well, good luck. I know it'll happen. Last time you lost 10 grand quickly, it all turned out really well. So I'm sure this time it will, too. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks so much. This was a real blast. See you, brother. Have a good one. Thanks. Take care. Yeah. Thanks again. Bye. All right, dudes. That was uh, Tomer Shalom. Fuck, I'm not lying. I'm fired up listening to that, dude. Um... Yeah, he's a ball of positive energy, which is funny because I can't say I'm surprised, but I am because talking to him, all we do when we get together is trash each other, trash everybody else. Like, we're very similar in that sense. And then hearing him and kind of in this regard and just how he tells his stories and everything and the life he's been through, it's incredible. So thank God he changed his mind on a Coldplay song because all I was going to put on was whatever Coldplay song came up first, I think it was Yellow, and then I was going to play the clip where Paul Rudd goes, you know how I know you're gay because you listen to Coldplay. I was going to say that to him, but I wasn't sure he was going to get the reference, and it was such a good podcast, I didn't want to turn it on him. But, all right, guys, here's uh, I Can See Clearly Now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully uh, the audio wasn't too bad because I'm just recording between two phones. I don't even have a microphone set up this time. But thanks a lot. Thanks, Tomer. Thanks, everybody else. Uh, Peace in the Middle East. Ciao. There's a world outside my door. I don't know it anymore. I'm going to stay here now. I'm going to stay here now. Close the curtains, cut the lights March the darkness in my mind It's gonna take me down It's gonna take me down All the roads I've been before Same mistakes, always got me shaking And all the signs I once ignored In my denial, I didn't want to
floor I'm gonna make it out I'm gonna make it out Take breath and say a prayer Find the strength in my despair It's not gonna take me down It's not gonna take me down All the roads I've been before Same mistakes Always got me shaken And all the signs I once ignored In my denial Wrestling action in your home? Trying to get a laugh at the expense of SOS and he paid for a gunner. Witness the best in the Ontario Independence. Featuring champion Alessandro Del Bruno. I have eclipsed every past champion and their ring. See, pretty Ricky. Me and easy E Eric Carney used to win those NSW Tag Team Championships. Mark Wheeler. One shot, one kill. And more. New School of Wrestling presents Overload. New episodes. Friday nights, 10 p.m. You know who we are? We're the Gnarly Boys. www.youtube.com forward slash New School Wrestling.